All right, good morning. Two uh, things of business before we jump into the sermon as I try to straighten myself out here. Um, Thanksgiving, we invite you over to our house. Thanksgiving, about four to eight. You got nowhere to go. Come on over. Um, just let us know if you're coming. We invite everybody, by the way. You're all welcome to come. Uh, Thanksgiving Day, between four and eight. Stop on over. We'd love to have you. Second, we're going to pray for our sister Rebecca. Rebecca. Told me this morning, you know, that she's had thyroid cancer. She's been dealing with it for how many years now? Years. Seven years. So they've been watching it. The numbers have been going down, but they found a, a fifth growth that's grown. It's gotten bigger. So she just needs to get the biopsy done on it. So we're going to pray that it's, it's benign, it's nothing, um, and that God would be with her. So that's how you can pray for Becca. She... Now has to get the appointments and all of those things, you know, all, you know, you know how it is dealing with doctors. Uh, but God is the God who opens doors, right? Amen. Let's pray for our sister Rebecca. Father, we thank you that you have been watching over our sister all these years. And Lord, and the number, the cancer numbers are down. And we pray for this fifth, Lord, um, spot that's grown, Lord God. They don't know what it is. We pray, Lord God, that as the biopsy would show, that it would be absolutely benign, that it would be nothing, Lord God. We pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that she would be cancer-free, uh, not dealing with this again, Lord God, that you would be with her thoughts and her heart and her mind in the meantime, Lord God, that the enemy would not have sway in any way in her, or Gabe's, or the kids, or her family, or her loved ones in any way, Lord God. For we look to you, for what is our only hope in life and in death? but that we, you hold us in your hand, and you are holding your daughter, Rebecca. And Lord, I pray that you would watch over her as you promised with your loving care. Lord, we look forward to how you're going to glorify yourself in this, and we pray that it would be through a clean report, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So keep her in prayer, add her to the list of the many. Thank God that there's no list too big for God, right? No list too big for God. Well, as we continue in a series on the Holy Scriptures, has there ever been a book, you ever read a book that you just related to, that just moved you? A book you say, wow, man, how many of you ever read a book and cried? You know, let's, you know, let's, uh, right? I, there was one book, one book that I've actually read that I cried as a 13-year-old as a boy in my room reading The Outsiders. What a great book. I don't know what's going on here, but what a great book, right? I'm confessing my weakness as a man, crying when I'm reading a book. But I was just relatable to me. Uh, Pony Boy. I just resonated with Pony Boy somehow. I could, that was me. Don't, listen, don't go wasting your time reading it. It's a good book, but the Bible. We're here to talk about God's Word. I want to tell you, has God's Word ever moved you? Has God's Word ever moved you to tears? Cause you to have a joy and a, or even a peace, you know. Listen, you're struggling. You're, you're, you're going against the tide. You're in a sea of emotion and not knowing what's going on and looking for hope and help. I'm telling you, plant yourself in the Word of God. Plant yourself in the Word of God. Are you dealing with sin? Are you engaging in sin? And you know I shouldn't be doing this. And I know it's displeasing my God. I'm going to tell you, I can tell you right now, you are disconnected from the Word of God. 
You are not planning yourself within the Word of God. For I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against you. Not valuing the the Word of God. We're going to look today at the Holy Scriptures. It's part two. I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 19, verses 7 to 14. Psalm 19, verses 7 to 14. We've heard this before. We've preached through this before. But it is the Word of God. And God's Word, remember, was the best interpreter of God's Word, but God's Word, right? The best interpreter of God's Word is God's Word. So I would ask you to stand with me as we look at Psalm 19, verses 7 to 14. First, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Word. Lord, we sang it in two songs already. It's in our sermon for today. Where else can we go, Lord? When we really stop and think about it, where else can we go? You have and you are the word of life. And so make your word alive to us, O Lord. Make it alive to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what God says. Psalm 19, beginning in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. It's the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We're going to see here the power of Scripture. The power of Scripture. In verses 7 and 9, and throughout this psalm, uh, the, the psalm, there's adjectives and there's nouns describing God's word. He's, the writer David <clears throat> says this. He says, the law of the Lord is is perfect, reviving the soul. The law. What is the law? When you hear about the law, it's the revealed will of God in the Torah, the five books. And for us who have the completed canon, it includes the prophets, the Psalms, and the New Testament. It's the revealed will of God. This is God's revealed will to us, His Word. He says the revealed will of God, the law, is perfect. Perfect without defect, because it's inspired, it's infallible, it's inerrant, and it's its own interpreter. How many things do you, can you describe as actually being perfect? Right? I found the perfect diamond. We found the perfect house. We found the perfect car. And when you get those things, you find out they're not perfect. 
There's something wrong with it. We will never say that about God's word. It is perfect. Perfect. We'll never say, oh, this is wrong, this doesn't make sense, or this doesn't measure up, or this is wrong, or oh, that can't be. God's word is perfect. No defect, no error whatsoever. It is so perfect, it says, that it revives the soul. The word of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It literally means to turn back or to return. The authorized version, can't believe I'm saying this, of 1879 says this, and I think it's the best translation. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Converting the soul. How did you get saved? How did you get transformed? By the perfect word of God and nothing else. Nobody convinced you. Nobody tricked you. It wasn't a machination of your own mind. It was the perfect word of God which revives a soul. James Boyce says this in his commentary. The connection between the law's perfect perfection and its ability to revive the soul is not easy to see at first glance. But it is found in the fact that being perfect means being so complete as to cover every aspect of life. It means that the Bible is not deficient in any way. It is an all-sufficient revelation. Therefore, no matter what our sins may have been or our problems are, The Bible is able to turn us from our sins, lead us through our problems, and both feed and enrich us so that we are able to enjoy the full benefits of spiritual life. Jesus testified to this when he told the devil, quoting from Deuteronomy 8.3, Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you didn't catch all that, you want that, you can get the notes off our website. Or better yet, why don't you come to community group and we can discuss it. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord. Listen to what it says. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The testimony. What is the testimony? It's the covenant of God in the Old Testament and for us in the New Testament also. These serve as a witness with God's covenant with man. And we need to realize that you and I made no covenant with God. Nobody has made a covenant with God. God alone makes a covenant. God alone keeps covenant. We have to go back to Genesis chapter 15. We know the story well. God tells Abraham, listen, cut the animals in two from nose to tail. Lay the parts apart. We're gonna make, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And what happens? God passes through the pieces and say, I will fulfill the terms of the covenant. Abraham never did because Abraham can't keep God's covenant. You and I can't keep God's covenant. God keeps his covenant. And in keeping his covenant, he draws you and I with his spirit to be able to help us to be able to keep the covenant through Jesus Christ. Christ keeps the covenant for us. Thank God for his faithfulness. Thank God for his faithfulness to us. That he's not let us go off into destruction. 
because he had every right to, but because his love for us was so great. He said, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Church, do you really believe that? Do you believe that? That God is a God who loves life, who cares about life? You know that we live in a culture of death today. And you believe that Montana, as a state, has voted to let babies die outside the womb. We live in a culture of death, serving, though, a God who is a God of life. Life is precious to God. Your life was precious to God, so much so that he said, I will send my only son so that his life will be a ransom for your life. God calls us to love life. God calls us to love his word. When we ignore his word, we do so to our own peril. God made a covenant with you and with me if we're his children. It says the testimony of the Lord is sure. Talk about having confidence. It says they are sure or trustworthy because they correspond to truth. You will not be led into falsehood or error by the word of God. God's word contains nothing contrary to fact. Not a single thing in God's word is contrary to fact. You know, I was thinking about it, and correct me, do your homework, find out. But you know, like Kepler and Galileo, you know how they base their ideas of astronomy? From God's word. They said, well, God's word says this. Let's see if it's true. So they looked into the heavens. God's word is true. Why? Let God be true and every man a liar. God's word is true. What this book says about you and for you is sure. It's not going to be false. It is 100% true. And therefore, the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that this is, that this is the greatest source, the only source of truth that you have? The only. You want to know what to do in a situation? Go to God's word. How does God want me to vote? Go to his word. Read what he says about life, marriage, and gender. It's very clear. Go to God's word. You need wisdom. Go to God's word. Go to God's word and say, God, your word says if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. I'm asking for wisdom, God. I need wisdom for whatever it may be. Because God's word is true and it's sure. You can be positive that God will grant your request. Scripture is sure because, again, it's infallible. Scripture is incapable of teaching error. Again, the writers of Scripture, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, not only did not err, they could not err when writing Scripture. I know we've preached these things before. Just a couple weeks ago, the same thing was said. It's worth repeating over and over and over again. The scripture are infallible, without error, incapable 
of teaching something that is not true, incapable of teaching something that is contrary to fact. And then you have a naysayer who would come to you and say, oh yeah? Well, how can it be that it says in the Bible that God caused the sun to stand still for an entire day? What would that do to the earth? If the sun right now were to stay in the sky all day long, what would actually happen to the world? We would all be destroyed. We couldn't live. Obviously, the, ro- the earth has stopped rotating. Gravitational pull is, is no longer. We float off in the space. We burn to death, whatever it would be. The Bible says that God caused the sun, to go, the shadow, to go back nine steps. How is that possible? God caused the earth to re- go in reverse? This isn't the movie Superman. How is that possible? Is that, that's contrary to fact. No, it's not. It's God's world, and he can do what he wants with it. And God is the only being who can make the sun stand still and keep you and me alive. God, nothing in here is contrary to fact. Skeptics have been trying for years and years and years, for millennia, and they've been trying, and they've all come up short. And the ones who think they will stand to the end will stand before the word of God himself. Uh-oh. Uh-oh for them. Pray for them. Pray for those who hate the word of God. Pray for those who reject the word of God. That God would open their eyes. Some of those people are our own children, our own loved ones, our co-workers. Oh Lord, open their eyes. Open their eyes. As David says, open my eyes that I may see okay things in your law. No, that I may see what? Wondrous things in your law. The word of the Lord is sure. The word of the Lord is sure. The word of the Lord is perfect, reviving soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Listen to what it says. Making wise the simple. Makes wise the simple. Simple's not, when somebody's called simple back in the day, it wasn't a term of endearment. It was a derogatory term. You're simple. You're stupid. You don't understand. The Hebrew word simple means uh, an open door or one who is easily persuaded. You stand upon the word of God in a day and an age in which evil is called good and good is called evil, which is the age that we live in. A crooked and perverse generation, as scripture would tell us. We can be easily persuaded. How many churches are succumbing. How many Christian institutions are succumbing to the ideology of the LGBTQ movement? Go, go look. You'd be surprised. Calvin College in Michigan is the latest. You'd never think it would happen. Unless we stand firm in the Scriptures will be one easily persuaded. God is clear on issues. God is clear. God is clear. It makes wise the simple. The word of God makes a person wise or skillful for life. It protects you from being deceived. From being deceived. How many of you 
here will testify to the fact that, you know what, I used to go to a church, or I used to watch so-and-so on TV, and then when I encountered the true Word of God, boom, my eyes were opened up. I realized that I was being deceived into believing a false gospel. God's Word will make you wise. Makes you wise for living in the Scriptures, as Mike said this morning in Sunday school, quoting Paul, that the Word of God makes you wise for salvation. How do I live out the Christian life? The Word of God. This is the best owner's manual we could ever have. The best owner's manual you can ever have. Right? Living the Christian life is not something that you can go to YouTube to check. Right? I got an issue with my truck. I go to YouTube. It's wonderful. It gives me the answers that I need. Right? I got an issue with the Christian life. I cannot go to YouTube. But I can go to the Word of God. And I can have divine revelation given to me. Which causes my mind to think straight. Grounds me in reality. Reality is found where? In Christ Jesus, the scripture says. That's it. That's where reality is. Everything else is crazy compared to Jesus. Word of the Lord makes the wise simple. You know, when you are grounded in the Word of God, it just gives you a wisdom that is just extraordinary. It's divine. It's not going to come up on the screen, but in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, Peter and John are called into the Pharisees because they're picking up, as they were told, where Jesus left off. And of course, they're making trouble for the Pharisees. The Pharisees thought it was all over because they killed Jesus, right? They didn't know that they were playing right into his hands. And so they take him in and they tell him, listen, you guys can't talk like this anymore, blah, blah, blah. And they're, and they're you know, going back and forth. And the scripture says this. And they took note that Peter and John were uneducated, common men. They're nobodies. Bunch of fishermen. They don't have degrees like me. Of course I know. You know, just having a degree before your name doesn't make you smart. There's a lot of people out there who have books and a lot of degrees that, that dispute the fact that Jesus Christ is real. They're, they're dumb. They're simple. I said, these guys, you guys don't know. But it says this, but they noted that they had been with Jesus. A wisdom came about them, and authority came about them because they were with and grounded in the Word of God. It gives you wisdom for life. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The precepts, the instructions and the procedures that God requires. The instructions and the procedures that God requires. The Bible tells us what we are to do. How we are to live our life. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? 
but to love mercy, to, walk, to love just, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I, uh, uh, but I tell you that if you look at a woman, you've committed adultery. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. God tells us what to do. And he not only tells us what to do, but through his spirit empowers us to do what he tells us to do. The precepts, the instructions, the procedures that God requires are right, the scripture said. The word literally means straight. The word of God makes straight the way a person should live. Make straight. It's clear. We can't say, I don't understand what God wants me to do. It is as straight and as clear as the aisle in front of me right now. It just, boom, here it is. Here's all the other roads. But here's the right road. And doesn't Jesus use that language about roads? He says, hey, there's lots of roads. There's a broad road. But then there's this straight, narrow road. That's the road you want to be on. The straight and narrow road. And we are to, as Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 12, 3, that we are to make straight paths for our feet. How do I make a straight path for my feet? By obeying God's word. But I can't obey it, and I can't put it into my heart if I'm not engaging with it. God doesn't just put it in. It'd be wonderful, but he doesn't. There's study. There's involvement on our part to understand what God is saying. He says, the precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. (laughs) Rejoicing the heart. When one follows the straight path of the Lord, joy is a natural consequence. Sin is only pleasurable, but for a moment. Are you lacking joy? Well, God's word tells us right here that it's probably because you're not following the straight path of the Lord. You're off somewhere. Are you feeling overwhelmed and depressed in life? Hey, listen, things happen in life. Paul himself said, I bear burdens. I have anxiousness in my soul. But yet, I know who I'm going to trust. Read the Psalms. Where are you, O God? I'm being crushed. I'm being overwhelmed. But yet, I will rejoice in the Lord my God. The Bible tells us, David says to us, that he asked of the Lord, restore to me, what? The joy of my salvation. How? Follow God's clear-cut precepts. Clear-cut precepts. Joy will be the natural consequence. I mean, how could it not be? If I'm abiding in the vine, I only produce good fruit. Yeah, will there be times when... Stuff gets cut off because it's not productive? Yeah. But if I'm connected to life itself, how can that not be joy? 
give me clear understanding in the midst of hard circumstances, of a broken world, of knowing how to think. Because this world is crazy. This world doesn't think. This world does not use logic. God does. I can have joy because of the precepts of the Lord are right. It says the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Again, commandment's another word for precepts, the instructions, the procedures that God requires. Specifically here, the Ten Commandments. You ever watch uh, videos from Ray Comfort where he, he goes out and evangelizes and he only uses the Ten Commandments? And he asks people, have you ever had another God before me? Oh, have you ever committed adultery? Have you ever stolen? Oh, so you're telling me that you're an adulterer and a thief. And he gets people and he tells them, this is what God says. The commanding after peace, which he offers and presents by his word. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. Fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The fear. Fear is a name used by God, uh, by, uh, for God by Isaac in Genesis. Fear is man's response to the word of God. It's not fear as in cowering in fear. For those who have rejected the word of God, that will be their response when they meet the Lord Jesus Christ. But it should not be our response is there an element of fear? I'm going to tell you that it is my mission, at least I, I, I plan to, by God's grace and our other pastors, that will teach you and preach to you the truth of God's Word and what it says, even if it's contrary to culture, because I'm more afraid of God than I am of you or culture. Because God has the power to destroy my soul. You and the world only have the power to destroy my body. Scripture tells us. I don't think you will. I hope you won't. But you understand what I'm saying. Be more afraid of God than you are of any man. More afraid of God than any man. And when you have a proper fear of God and understanding that who He is, and there's an awe and a reverence and a wow about God, and all our human words fall short there. But if I understand that the, the fear of the Lord is clean, clean. They're words that purify. Think about the fear of the Lord is clean. When you think about fear, don't you think of darkness and evil? Oh, not so with God. There's a revealing. And when the Word of God illumines your heart and your mind, there is a cleansing that takes place. Because darkness and light cannot be at the same place. They cannot. And when the light of Christ comes in and takes over you, it drives the darkness out. It's clean. It's pure. They are end of time and space when Christ returns. The only book the only person standing at the grave of all others other than the church that he has built is Jesus Christ and his word. Everything else will disappear. 
Everything else cannot stand. It is impossible to stand in front of Christ and not be of Christ. The word endures forever. You know, Romans tells us that all that was written in the past was written for our encouragement. Listen to what it says. So that through the endurance of the scriptures, of the scriptures, why the endurance of the scriptures? Do we have endurance in the scriptures? Yes. But Romans says the endurance of the scriptures, we might have hope. The endurance of the scriptures, why? The word of the Lord endures forever. I can plant my feet there. You can plant your feet there. And after having done all that you can do, you can stand firm, therefore, with the word of God. And that's it. And if the world tells you you're a fool and you're an idiot, which they will, you will stand in the blessing of your master, the Lord Jesus Christ. I highly encourage you, tomorrow or probably on Tuesday... Go to our website and download the audio from today's Sunday School. All about the wisdom of God and the Word of God and the Scriptures. I highly encourage you to listen to it. I highly encourage you to come to Sunday School. They endure forever. Listen to what else God says about His own Word. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. Rules. Frequently called his judgments because they are declarations of his righteous will. And as it were, his legal or judicial sentence by which he expects that men should govern themselves and by which he will judge them at the last day. Again, Matthew Poole in his commentary. It says, the rules of the Lord, a summary of all that God says is righteous or are true and righteous all together. It's a summary of the entirety of God's word. What is God's word? It is true and righteous all together. This is God's word. Derek Kinder in his commentary says this, Together these, ter- these terms show the practical purpose of revelation. To bring God's will to bear on the hearer and invoke, evoke intelligent reference, uh, reverence. This is so important. Intelligent reverence. Not some crazy, oh, 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 you know, whatever, as a lot of churches will. Even Paul talks about, he says that if you people come in and they see you all acting crazy, speaking in tongues and going nuts, he goes, what are they going to say? You are out of your mind. And you know what? They would be right. You're out of your mind. God is in God of order. You have intelligent worship when you come to church? Are you worshiping God with your mind and your heart? What, 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 is the, what is the whole of the law of Scripture? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Right? You know what dictates the heart? The mind. What controls the emotions? The mind. Scripture 
always telling us to go back to how we think, to what we believe, that let our minds control us, that it is through the renewing of our minds that we understand the good, perfect, pleasing will of God. How do I understand the good, pleasing, perfect will of God? By obeying the commandments, the precepts, the fear, the rules of the Lord, which are found only here. Only here are they found. We see now the preciousness of Scripture. The preciousness, the preciousness of Scripture in verses 10 to 11. More to be desired are they than gold, even much, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. For the reasons that David listed above, he says the preciousness of Scripture is more than that of gold, even much fine gold. I tell you what, you can't watch TV for two seconds without a gold commercial. Telling you that the economy's tanking. It's going to, it will. All economies are going to crash. The Lord Jesus will stand alone, right? In his kingdom and his righteousness and his rewards. They tell you, invest in gold. It's your hope. It's your hope in this economy is to invest in gold. It may be for temporary, but gold has value. It has from the history of the world. God's word says that this, his word, is to be more desired than even much Fine gold. Do I value Scripture that much? Do you value? Do we as a church value Scripture that much? More than fine gold. The word more to be desired literally means literally to find pleasure in. Do I find pleasure in the Word of God? Or do I see it as a rule, a book of rules of which I can and cannot do? then God is a harsh schoolmaster. No, actually, the law was a schoolmaster pointing us to the freedom in Christ that we have. This is not a book that we say, oh, hmm, all right. It's not a book in which we approach it and say, all right, you know, God's word says to read his word. So I'm going to read his word every morning. Praise God if you do. But if you read it without engaging in it, what did you do? Might as well read Reader's Digest. It'll have the same net effect. We find pleasure in the Word of God. Listen to what Jeremiah says about his Word. Jeremiah 15, 6. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart. Why? For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Calvin again writes this, David makes a delineation between gold and fine gold. Gold is unrefined gold, raw gold, if you will, valuable for sure, right? How many shows are on television about gold, right? Gold rush and all those, finding gold in the ground, digging for gold and panning for gold. Fine gold is refined gold. Refined gold is more valuable because the impurities are taken out. Do we view the word of God as better than fine gold? I mean, how many of us would love 
for somebody to give us a bunch of gold coins. I would, right? I'm not going to lie. It would help us out tremendously, right? But are we really going to be more happy over financial wealth? Are we ignoring the wealth that we have here? Greater wealth. What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world, yet lose his own soul? May it not be said of us. David then goes on to use the analogy of honey. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Honey is a staple of the Middle Eastern diet. If you remember Jonathan, when he was hungry after defeating the, the, the Amorites, I believe it was, uh, Saul had made a proclamation and no one is to eat. Jonathan didn't hear of it. He finds honey. He puts his staff into it. He brings it, says it light up his eyes. He was just, they, they love honey that much. God's word is compared to honey. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Ezekiel 3, 3. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with the scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. Revelation 10, 10. And then I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. It's a word we shouldn't overlook. It's almost, as you can see, David's here telling us, it's the law of the Lord, it's perfect, the precepts of the Lord. And moreover, he's so excited. And moreover, even better than that, by them your servant is warned. What's wrong with you, Dave? I like the, I like the better than gold thing. Be warning me now, telling me? No. Praise be to God for his warnings. Because it keeps us from going off into destruction and error. He preserves my soul. He preserves your life. Moreover, by them, your servant is warned. By them, the law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandments, the fears, and the rules, God's servant is warned. Again, warned comes from the Hebrew word to make clear. The one who is instructed by the law of God has discernment, and discernment brings great reward with it. And then we see the purpose of Scripture. Verses 12 to 14 are really two prayers. The first is asking God to keep him from sinful actions, found in verses 12 and 13. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. So there's a rhetorical question here. Who can discern his errors? It implies the obvious. This is Stephen Lawson in his commentary. By the way, I would highly encourage you to listen to Stephen Lawson. Highly encourage you to listen to Stephen Lawson. It says it's a rhetorical question. Who can discern his errors? Implies an obvious answer. Only the person who reads, studies, and meditates on God's word. Who can discern his errors? Only the person who reads, studies, and meditates on God's word. Scripture is a lamp that reveals 
hidden faults, which must be confessed while asking God to forgive. Scripture is also a powerful restraint that prevents believers from participating in sin. Keep also your servant from willful sins, a preserving effect that the word has upon the hearts of those who obey it. You want to keep yourself from sinning? Put God's word in your heart. Psalm 119.11, I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The more we put this in us, the more it's part of us. As soon as wickedness or evil comes, or we're tempted, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. You want to be led not into temptation? Put God's word in your heart. Put God's word at the forefront of your mind. Say, I'm determined to honor God and his word, no matter what the cost. God will keep you from evil. You may be told you're missing out on all the fun. No, you're not. Unfortunately, those who go that path miss out on eternal life. The second petition is asking God to guard his thoughts and his words. Verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's just kind of look at this backwards a little bit. What is acceptable to God? It's holiness. God looks not at the outside, but at the heart, 1 Samuel 16, 7. And what is in the heart comes out of the mouth. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Jesus had told the people... Unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part of me. Not literally drink his blood, not literally eat his flesh. They didn't get it. And so they walked away. They left. They said, this, 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 this is nuts. This is crazy. This is too hard to understand. We're out of here. Jesus turns to the disciples and he said, do you also want to leave? And Peter, wisely, Peter says this. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Loved ones, do you believe that Jesus is the Holy One of God? Loved ones, do you and I believe that there really is, outside of Christ, there is nowhere else to go? That he really does have the words of life? Do we value scripture in such a way that that's proved out in our, in our life? The word of God is perfect because it is inspired, infallible, and errant. It alone will revive your soul, make you wise, enlighten your eyes, and endures forever. Nothing in the world has greater value. It keeps you from presumptuous sins and reveals hidden faults. It is the only source of rule for the believer to do all things for the glory of God. I'm going to ask you a couple questions and then we'll close. If this is true about God's word, and it is, 
Get yourself a good study Bible. What's a good study Bible? The MacArthur Study Bible. The Reformation Study Bible. The ESV Study Bible. The Charles Stanley Study Bible. Because what I'm asking you to do is not just read God's Word. There's a place for reading God's Word. Paul told Timothy as a pastor... Do not neglect the reading of God's Word. He says, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Reading God's Word has great value. Yes, study of God's Word has greater value. So when you read in the morning, don't do just the devotional. There's a lot of great devotionals out there. And and, and honestly, loved ones, if your time with God is the daily bread and that's it, you're starving yourself. You're starving yourself. Is the daily bread good? Has it been proven up? Yes. You know what I'm saying. Study God's Word. So read God's Word. Get a really good reading plan of God's Word. Whether you want to read it throughout the year, whether you want to read its particular section, whether you want to read it chronologically, I prefer the chronological. That's what I do. I like that. But that's me. Whatever it is. And take those verses. Something sticks out to you. Go in your study Bible and go, hmm, what's that note say? Oh. That helps me understand it more. Understand that your Bible has these little letters against words and stuff. And it references it back in the column or below. It tells you, you know what? This principle is found somewhere else in Scripture. And go follow the line through. Study God's Word. If this is all true about God's Word, and it is, then here's the question. If you really believe this, if you can sit here and amen it, why is there not greater participation in prayer meeting? Eight a.m. on Sundays mornings. Eight thirty a.m. I'm sorry. Why is there not greater participation in Sunday school? Nine thirty a.m. Or evening service, 6 p.m. If this is true, and yes and amen, this is the word of God, and we can't get enough of it, and it is life, and it is everything for me, why do we not have greater participation in the things that surround God's word? On Bible study, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., community groups, Thursday, 7 p.m., and Friday, 7.30 p.m., youth group, Wednesdays, 7 p.m., kids for truth, Fridays, 7 p.m., the men's group, the ladies' Bible study, the marriage. You understand what I'm saying? Um, it's a logical question to ask. If this is really true, I would ask, let it be borne out more. I can understand we can't be to everything. I get it. But let it be seen more in how that practically works out in our body so that we together would know all the more how true God's word is. And we all the more would build that anchor for our soul. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask through, the, through your Holy Spirit to make your word understandable to us, that as we look intently into your perfect law to help us not forget who we are, may we hide your word within our hearts so that we might not sin against you. Indeed, O Lord, keep us from presumptuous sins. 
and hidden faults by the power of your word stored in our hearts so that we may be transformed and renewed in our minds and that we would be able to know your good and perfect will. We ask it for the glory of Christ. Amen. Let's stand. Let's close in a song. Sing the wonderful words of life. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty, teach me faith and duty. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Christ the blessed one gives to all wonderful words of life. Sinnerless to the loving call, wonderful words of life. All so freely given, wooing us to heaven. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Sweetly echo the gospel call, wonderful words of life. Offer pardon and peace to all. Wonderful words of life. Jesus, only Savior, sanctifies forever. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Amen. God bless you all.